0: time at the El Royale you have the option to stay in either California or Nevada I always want to stay in honeymoon suite even though I'm not currently on my honeymoon (laughs) what are you doing out here I got a job singing in Reno tomorrow don't think everybody welcome back to the lucky dog podcast this is your host Elias Roush today we are discussing bad times at the El Royale 2018 directed by Drew Goddard writer producer mostly known for, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Cabin in the Woods, Cabin in the Woods. He, uh, was the director of Cabin in the Woods and The Good Place, the television show, and now, um, Bad Times at the El Royale. So, let's get to it a little bit. As a writer goddard has been on so many things i mean things that i've seen things that you've seen i mean all over the board so um he has written on buffy the vampire angel alias cloverfield lost the cabin in the woods world war z the martian he's the creator of netflix's uh netflix marvel netflix's daredevil um And now he's bringing us bad times at El Royale. So, yeah, he has got an extensive list of writing cred, and I think that this movie might be able to let it shine. So, let me give you the synopsis. Seven strangers, each with a secret to bury, meet at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a run-down hotel with a dark past, over the course of one faithful night, everyone will have a last shot at redemption. Everything before it goes to hell. So that's a pretty good uh, synopsis of it. But it, honestly, there is no marketing. There is no poster that does this, uh, this justice. I think that the people that were responsible of uh, distributing this movie had no idea who this movie was for. Who who are the people that are interested in, in this movie? Um, how to market it just overall I think that was uh that was lacking heavily. But with saying that I was very impressed by this movie. Um, maybe only seeing one one trailer a while ago. So if you have not seen this movie, I would definitely recommend go go in cold, um if you like coen brothers slash tarantino-esque style movies now with saying that you know it means there's a little mystery it could be a little quirky it could be a little crude it could be uh, a whole number of things because of those two different styles but that is the best way i can describe this uh this crazy movie to you um and when I, when I say crazy, I don't mean like balls to the wall crazy. I mean like, it feels like it's methodical in the way it's um, presented for the majority of, I'd say the first half of the movie. There is kind of a switch uh, in tone. I would say around halfway of the movie, and the the movie may take a hit in a way in some some people's eyes. Um, I really enjoyed it, but I could see people saying this movie is a little too long. Um, the running time is 2 hours and 21 minutes, and I honestly think that with uh, the way it's edited, the way it's done, um, it could have been um, shaved down 15 minutes at least, and we would have wrapped it up a lot quicker. Um I really enjoyed Bad Times at El Royale, but with saying that this movie is not for everyone. This like I said, um I think the way the way it looks, the way it sounds, the sound I mean there's so many different elements about this movie that I could go into. I would say the the, the storytelling technique is unique, um the direction is um stellar. I would say this guy has a vision and he has um chops but he may fall in love with his vision too much and it might bite him in the butt just a little bit. Um as a director I think he might just fall in love with his art just a tad bit too much and he just doesn't want to chop. He doesn't want to cut anything. So there's some scenes where it feels like it's an extensively long take. Um and it does build it does this movie does a great job building tension. But with saying that there is, um, there are some downsides to it, I would say, and the downsides come around the third act and the way it's, um, it kind of resolves, and I'm gonna go into a spoiler section, right now I'm trying to, you know, dance around it for everyone that hasn't seen it, but with saying that, if you like Cohen-esque, Tarantino-esque movies, um, this is kind of one you're gonna to have to sit down and, uh, solve the mystery with uh with the people you're going along this uh, this adventure with uh, or this this mystery with um it feels very reminiscent of um Tarantino's Hateful 8 movie um i honestly like this better than Hateful 8 in my opinion i didn't uh, Hateful 8 had uh some good things and not so hot things but i i, I wasn't Thrilled about how the third act ended. Um, I would say this movie does stick to, stick the third landing, but that's for me personally. I could definitely see people saying the third act, the last forty minutes, just were balls to the wall, not what they were expecting, and they they it, it left a, a, a negative taste in their mouth. And so, like I said, anyone that has seen the Tarantino Cohen-esque, uh, quirkiness, um, I would say this is for you. This is your type of movie. You're kind of more of a film. I, I'm not going to say film fanatics are going to love this because, um, I've heard a lot of podcasters that say, yeah, it's, it's okay, you know, but I personally really did like this for, uh, even though it had, uh, a handful of flaws, I would say, but, um, yeah, 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 so, let me see, anything else, the music in this really popped for me, I thought the, the music, and the atmosphere, and the style, the, the the style, and atmosphere, the, the first half of the movie feels very, uh, front-loaded with, uh, kind of musical, it's not vignettes, but it's, um, definitely times that they use musical cues, even, even at the beginning of the movie, um, everything has a nice tempo, you can hear it when people are, uh, uh maybe hammering it against something, I mean, uh, there's, there's a, there's a, you know, you, like, when, they, when people are doing stuff, there's definitely tempo with it, uh, if, if anyone's seen Baby Driver, you know what I mean, there's a nice tempo with that movie, um, At least the first half, in my opinion. Um The um the tempo in this really works. The music, the style, I think all really work really well. The actors, I have not talked about any of the actors. I kinda want to uh leave one of the actors out of it, even though he's being predominantly uh he's put being pushed forward as one of the main actors. I'm gonna leave one actor out and put him in the spoiler section. Um, Jeff Bridges, excellent. He plays Father Daniel, Flynn. Um, Cynthia Irvo, she is currently uh, performing The Color Purple on Broadway, and she plays Darlene Sweet in uh, Bad Times of at El Royale. I was blown the fuck away from Cynthia Irvo. She is phenomenal. Not only a phenomenal actress, she can sing. She's got chops. I mean, there is, there's times where she's piercing, and she doesn't take shit. And she was the biggest um, star that came out of this for, for me uh, among one other person. Louis Pullman, he did a great job as well. But Cynthia Irvo did an exceptional job at singing and bringing a stellar uh, uh I, it's it's confident, but she's also she she shows that she's been through some shit, and so she does an excellent job standing out with uh, some of these other actors that were were more uh, prone to seeing on you know the big screen than, like Jeff Bridges or uh, Dakota Johnson is from Fifty Shades of Grey. She did a fantastic job. She plays Dakota Johnson plays Emily Summerspring, and. She does a phenomenal job bringing um, this very uh, under... Uh, I'm going to say it's an understated performance a little bit because she doesn't have that many lines, but I would say she does have screen presence, whereas in Fifty Shades, I was so disappointed in just everything that that movie executed. Uh, John Hamm, he plays uh, Laramie Seymour and John Hamm, that guy he, he i mean he's best he's kinda of going oh how you doing over there, young lady going oh, going over over there and over he's kinda of going a little overboard foghorn leghorn whatever he, whatever he's he, he's he's doing this uh i think it was um tom hanks and the lady killers i think he had kind of that oh how you doing over there young lady that kind of thing you know i don't know i can't do it i can't do a, a that type of accent but it, it felt like that um john ham does bring a lot of uh gravity i think he brings uh presence to the first uh first act that is much needed to ground the film and uh yeah i i it, He did excellent, as always. Um, Anything else about that, just as a non-spoiler? That's about all I want to talk about in the non-spoiler section. So Let's see. Yeah, I would say, if you're interested, I've said it already about three times, Tarantino Cohen asked, don't mind a two-hour, 20-minute sit-down, strap-in, see the movie. It's... It's, if you don't run out to go see it in the theaters, it's definitely worth renting it and seeing it in, in home because I could understand people wanting to, to pause this movie and go take a break and come back. So regardless, if you haven't seen the movie, I would definitely check it out either in theaters or at least rent it at home when it comes out on DVD because it's it's an excellent movie. Um, Drew Goddard uh, definitely has a vision. I think he might need a slightly... I, 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 I think he could go for a cleaner, uh, edit on it, um, there, I mean, the editing in the actual movie is excellent, I just think the pacing is a little off in a couple of places, so, um, let's see, anything else, um, no, I think I'm gonna jump into spoilers, because, uh, I, I don't know, there's tons of, tons of things, um, Okay, so we we are in the spoiler section. We have I'm assuming you the the listener have seen Bad Times at El Royale. Um dudes and dudettes and everybody every uh, like what was that? Like I was I was so with the movie like and just like it felt like it was like jogging like it was slowly getting better slowly getting faster slowly getting, like it's gaining momentum it's getting faster as, as the storytelling is unfolding you're like holy shit you see um John Hamm is all of a sudden talking I think it was probably to his family at the beginning at, at, or not at the very beginning but when he's actually checked in um the the uh the way the hotel's laid out first of all i thought that was so ridiculous the the uh right down the middle um it was so ridiculous but it 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 drew me right in it's it's uh it divided by nevada and california and everybody wants to stay on the you know nevada side cuz it's cheap but um there's there's a lot to to be said behind the writing of this movie i mean they're you know talking about the different class systems talking about having uh, losing your memory, talking about, um, like, dealing with dementia and dealing with uh, racism, dealing with sexism, dealing with um, there, uh, abusive uh, men in power. I mean, there is a lot to be said throughout this entire movie. Um And like I said, from the storytelling perspective, I was really hooked when I was seeing all these things that were being taken out. And I I assume they were microphones or some sort of wiretaps that were being taken out um, of the of the entire room. And all you see is John Hamm going around his entire room. And you're you're as a viewer, you're like, holy shit. You're you're like, what is he finding on all these different places? And um, I was thinking it, it, it. it would really suck to watch this movie in a motel or something like that, like that. It would be so just ironic. You'd be like, I don't know if I want to stay here tonight. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I was just blown away by the entire thing. Um, the way the, the storytelling is unfolded and how you find out everyone's backstory and whatnot. I, I don't know if we got a full backstory on John Hamm's character, but when he was shot, I was like, damn, they killed him way early. And at that time, I thought the movie was only, um, I thought it was going to end at an hour and a half, not two hour, two and a half hours or two hours and 20 minutes, whatever. Um, but I think he's killed at like the 40 minute mark or something like very close to the, uh, the beginning of like the second act or something like that. And, and the whole time you're like following his character seeing the double-sided mirrors the 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 wiretaps the craziness going on and the creepiness of the hotel is just it feels like another character is just looming as the, the as the hotel and and the just more stuff that we are finding out about this this crazy place and the people that are uh, that are staying in these hotels i mean in the in the rooms we are just like what the fuck is going on why is there a father there i mean what is wrong with the bellhop uh like uh cynthia is the only one that seems relatively normal and she's singing and it's it, it, it almost all of the characters had a very uh not relatable but uh, grounded presence and a grounded uh story, I would say. But when it came to okay, so the bellhop gets shot and then we see from three different vantage points, which I thought was excellently done. We saw it from Jeff Bridges' perspective, we see it from Cynthia Irva's perspective, Darlene Sweets' pers- perspective, and we we see John Hamm get uh running around the hotel when we think he's being sneaky, but there's characters in the background. So this this movie rewards uh, multiple viewings. So I absolutely will will go back and watch this again and probably rent it. But, um, yeah, there's uh, it really cool in, with the different vantage points. Now, in saying that, I don't know if we need to see everything. I mean, we definitely saw, like, uh, I think John Hamm get shot three times or something like that, but... Um, But with doing the different vantage points, doing the different chapters, doing the different, um, flashbacks with each character, um, was just a lot to handle. Um, that third act... Oh, okay, so let me talk about right smack dab in the middle. I think it's an hour and a half in. Chris Hemsworth. Wow, his character literally comes out of another movie. Um... Personally, I think he did an excellent job doing this portrayal, but I'm not sure if his character was 100% in tone with the rest. Now he he plays uh, like a cult leader that is trying to get um, Dakota Johnson's character and Dakota's. I don't think that was. Uh, I don't make sure there's no st- trying to make sure there's no static. Sorry. Uh. So yeah. So um, Dakota is trying to get her sister, who is played by Kaylee Sprawny, Ruth Summerspring, and Emily Summerspring. Emily is trying to get Ruth out of the cult that is run by Billy Lee, who is played by Chris Hemsworth. Billy Lee is supposed to be loosely based off of Charles Manson, and this guy's, he, it seems like he's kind of doing some sort of Uh, off-brand Burning Man, uh, like, cult ceremony, but in, like, negative connotations where they're taking off, uh, I don't know, they're they're saying people are categorized in different groups and stuff like that, and you have to be either, you know, on on this side or that side, and he's saying you can be on our side, and so I can definitely see how, you know, younger generations or not not even just younger, inexperienced, less uh, educated folks would uh gravitate toward an attitude like that so he does have a present presence um but it's a shame what happens at the at the third act i do think the third act is drawn out a tad bit long as soon as uh, let me say right in the middle hour and a half mark chris hemsworth is introduced as billy lee we don't even get to see who it is exactly and they kind of play it as if it's like a cameo we don't even get to see because he's in a silhouette form on the beach and I'm not really sure if that was the best way to introduce that character, just because it felt like a dream state. Every other character had a very grounded presence in their flashback, and we understood where they were, what they were doing, that type of thing. And with Chris Hemsworth, Billy Lee's character, uh, coming... uh, walking up uh, on the beach meeting uh, Ruth, just didn't feel like a very grounded... uh, part of the movie and it 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 pulled me out and so that scene specifically felt almost dreamlike and so it does introduce chris hemsworth character but he doesn't come back in later till like the third the very end of the like middle of the third act or something like that and he's coming around just dancing around just playing Russian roulette and and um he he rallies everybody up and everyone is you know sitting in uh The middle of the el royale lobby and his performance is excellent it just doesn't i don't know if it necessarily fits with the tone of what was going on with the first two to two acts and that might be where my problem is that's why it might have a 7.6 on IMDb that might be why it's only 70% on Rotten Tomatoes but regardless of all that I do think this movie has a fantastic direction and it needs to be seen. Um, anything else? Um, I was a little iffy on how Dakota Johnson was taken out along with her sister. Um, I understood ultimately but I, it just turned into kind of a shoot 'em up kind of thing at the very end. It kind of turned into a little bit more of a generic movie toward the end. And it had such clear direction at the beginning. With the exception of a few scenes that happened at at, at the third act. Like, I, I don't want to come off saying I hated the third act or anything like that. I just didn't think it uh, landed as strongly as it could have. And I think it could have just done with a little bit closer, ed- you know, tighter editing. Um... <clears throat> A lot of information is conveyed um, in a short amount of time. They all give, uh, you know, their last speech a little bit. We find out about that. That the flashback of uh, Lewis Pullman's character. He did an excellent job, by the way. I didn't really say that enough. There's a the death scene when he's uh, once he's shot as Miles Miller. He is he's done and he's. Um, I, I felt something, uh, from as an emotional through line and I've, uh, close to, to this kid and he says, you know, he's killed hundred, uh, over a hundred people and, uh, he wants to be forgiven. And finally, you know, Jeff Bridges tells him, you know, he's not a father and his expression is just broken. He cannot take that. Uh, he can't take it. And so, um, I was just blown away by, uh, the level of attachment that not only Cynthia Ervo, but, uh, Jeff Bridges and, and, uh, Lewis Pullman all had, um, as characters. They all became very close, um, as, uh, as a team, you know, by the end. Um, Cynthia Ervo slapping Jeff Bridges upside the head in that one scene, um, right before he's, uh, trying to poison her or something. Uh, not poison her, but I guess put her to sleep, drug her literally knocked me upside down. I was like, dang, (laughs) fucked him up. Literally fucked him up. And just five seconds early, uh, 10 seconds earlier, he's, you know, spilling his beans about him having dementia and not being able to remember his name. Well, that shit is not going to help a fucking uh, minor major concussion straight to the dome. But I absolutely loved how it was executed. It, it, it put her in such a badass light, and I loved how she, uh, it shows from her vantage point, at one, at, at one point, her shoes are left at the jukebox, and she walks over and tiptoes, because you, you wonder how she got over there so quickly, and, you know, quietly, but she's, she was stealth mode on him, freaking 007, knocking straight up the head, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a good one, it was, it was very good, um, anything else? Uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges might, might get an Emmy nod for this, um, John Hamm did an excellent job, he just wasn't in it enough, um, I was really, really, uh, looking forward to seeing how his, um, story unfolded, but I, I guess we never really got much of that, um, there's a lot of cool trivia that have, to, that has to do with, uh, this movie, just based on history, I mean, this is very, very loosely based on history, um, there is a film reel at the very end that you find out that what Jeff Bridges is actually looking for, not just the money, and it might be because um, it contains either someone special on there. I mean, someone of note. That um, I believe they said that the person was already dead. So by 1969, they say on IMDb, according uh, according to IMDb, it says it might have been. Uh, bobby kennedy who was assassinated in 1968 and so uh, that would that would leave that um it could be the speculation of uh, jfk or martin luther king however uh jfk had died in 63 um, during the hotel's prime and uh MLK, uh, Martin Luther King apparently had a couple of affairs. I'm not sure if it was one or multiple, but it was, uh, kind of widely known. And so, um, it also could have been film reel of that. So yeah, that was, um, really interesting to, to figure out. Um, yeah, I'd heard Billy Lee was loosely based on, uh, Charles Manson. Um, yeah, it, it, there was a lot of craziness. I mean, if you look at the thing, it says Chris Hemsworth had to lose up to 30 pounds of muscle between playing Thor and taking this role. To, uh, I mean, you can see it. I mean, he doesn't wear a shirt half the I mean, he literally wears half a shirt the entire time. Um, but he looks great. I mean, you got to wonder what his uh, diet is. Uh, uh, the El Royale last, last fact. The El Royale is based on the famous Cal Neva Resort, a casino that was once owned by Frank Sinatra. So what's really cool about this movie is it does feel like it's loosely based in like some sort of alternative reality. Um, when I was first watching it, I honestly thought that everyone was dead and, uh, uh, this was some sort of purgatory or some, it was going to be like a supernatural type hotel, but you really don't know until it starts to unfold and, honestly the second to third act on roll and you find out you know more about what 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 it's all about and people taking photos and film of important people and sending them up to their bosses for blackmail or something like that. you know blackmail stuff um let's see i want to check the twitters real quick to see what people are thinking Hashtag El Royale movie. By the way, check us out on Twitter. Lucky Dog Podcast. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Hmm. Thinking of hashtag El Royale movie and hashtag Cabin in the Woods, I really want Drew Goddard making his own content. Not X-Force. He's so good. I, I agree. I think... Uh, I i think this type of movie is gravitating toward me specifically just as maybe uh, this person this is a at calvin the writer um i think that it's because these are are the they are loosely based on history historical characters but it's also like new characters as well um did I say I love the music in this, by the way? I thought the music, the soundtracks, in and Cynthia Irva's singing just combined really worked. Especially at the very end, the way they wrap it up. Um, let me see. Um, holy fucking shit, that was a great movie. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I had to pee at one point, but refused to go until it finished. That is one hell of an ensemble cast. At Cynthia Irvo and hashtag Dakota Johnson. nailed this film. Hashtag El Royale movie. And y'all, I want to punch Rose in the face and let her on Emily's behalf. And Darlene deserves the world. Hashtag El Royale movie. Uh, That is at Caroline Renard. I mean, you heard it first. There's some strong, badass females in this. And don't let that go unsaid. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see. We have... At DSM67, Derek McCall says. Up third we got, at El Royale Movie. I really enjoyed it. Everyone is really fucking good here. But the basic thing, quote, the hateful eight, quote, unquote... But more rain instead of snow. That's all I'm gonna say. Check it out. Hashtag movie. Um, okay. He says this is basically hateful. Eight more rain instead of snow. I would kind of agree with that on a certain level. I mean, um, they both feature Jeff Bridges, right? I think Bridges was wasn't it No, no, that wasn't Jeff Bridges. That is uh, who the hell is in uh Russell? Was that Russell? I don't remember who the hell. Well, I'm gonna to have to look it up, otherwise I'm gonna get a ton of letters. Uh wait, y'all write letters? Kurt Russell, Jesus. <laughs> no, not Jesus. It's Kurt Russell. Uh sorry, I was uh, sometimes I get Kurt Russell with the fuzzy beard and uh the furry beard and Jeff Bridges confused. But yeah, they're they're basically kind of playing very uh, gruff, gruff, gravity men, you know, that type of thing, but, uh, Hateful Eight, I, if this movie was directed by Tarantino, there'd be twice as much vulgar, vulgarity, there'd be twice as much racism, twice as much sexism, there'd be, uh, it'd be extremely violent, and, um, I'm not sure if that's the movie I wanted to see, because, I mean, Quentin Tarantino had his chance to make his Hateful Eight, and it visually was, uh, it was a spectacle but I don't think it matched up to this in my opinion um I so you? yeah let me know let me know what you think El real movie movies. check us out Lucky Dog Podcast uh gmail.com um check out anything, anything else you need to know in the show notes and thank you for listening take it easy no I ain't gonna do that which side are you on right wrong god or no god red Or black. I've done horrible things. So's everybody. Shit happens. Get the whiskey.